category is mental health. Category is it takes a village. Category is motherfucking stories over stigma. Everybody, welcome back to the show. Welcome back for another week. Um, uh, that is, uh, you know what? This is this is you know since you've sent out the video about how to use this platform, our guests have really it's been smooth because it's a stupid platform. This is and believe it or not, this is ranked the number one like platform for podcasters in like in America. I don't like it. In the world. I don't like it. I, I look, I hear you, but you know, there they're worse there are worser options, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> there are worser, worser options. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me what's up. How are you? I, it, I I I don't need to ask this question, but it's really to everyone, uh it's for everyone else's benefit. You're asking everyone else or you're asking me? I'm asking you to tell everybody else, like, you know, the struggle. I'm fine. Things are fine. <clears throat> so we don't want to talk about the anxiety. It's not anxiety. It's apparently depression. Depression, which was a new discovery. Yes. That was a new <laughs> You don't want to talk about how you absolutely have driven me crazy for the last two weeks because your doctor decided to give you a medication that doesn't work. No, the, the Stratero works, but we weren't treating the underlying issue. This is this is so hard. I mean, it, it got to the point to where I just, I told Rebecca, I said, listen, if you have a little ADD as an adult, like, you know what? You've made it through two schools, Ivy League, cum laude, honors society without the struggle. She was like, it was really hard. I said, it sure didn't look hard to me. But she, that doesn't mean it wasn't. It was hard. I believe you that it was hard, but I really believe the OCD was is is more important to change because, like, seriously, I'm about ready to like like drink myself into oblivion. Super Bowl is coming up. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> that's all. That's all I need to do is get drunk in front of a bunch of our friends and and colleagues. That's it. Yeah, I'm gonna get hammered. Joelle will be here. She'll probably talk us down off the mountain. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. Um, no, we weren't treating the depression. So when I came off the Lexapro and went on the ADHD medication, like everything was fine. Wait a second. Who are these people asking to be? Are we sure? Okay, we don't need a bunch of people trying to be our guests this week. <laughs> <laughs> Let me find out which one is her. Yes. Um, so oh, look, someone's calling in. <gasps> This is our first caller. Actually, let's, you know what? I'm going to see how this works. Caller, are you there? Nope. There's no caller? Nope. I, I. Once the call in, invite them as a speaker. No, I don't want to invite you as a speaker. Okay, hang on. Is that her? Is that the guest? Is that? Okay, I'm so. Gonna, I'm going to mute myself. I want to put my head. Are you, are you our guest? Nope. No, you are now. Um, keep, yeah. So we, um, stop. Oh, so, okay. So, so stop. So it wasn't working and all of all she's here. So that's her. Okay. Um, it wasn't working and we, um, then all of a sudden, like my ADHD med stopped working, um, and I couldn't focus on anything. It took me two weeks to get laundry done. It was ridiculous. And so. That's not me. And so um, we. Okay, hold on. How do we. Oh, oh, no. Oh, there we go. Disconnect. Okay, go ahead. Okay. So I talked to the doctor and. um 
he was like, okay. We will if you do first. Go ahead. I mean, first of all, it's kind of rude that you just came into our podcast and like tried to take over. So go make your own if you want one that bad. You know, I mean, it's unbelievable how worthless like people can act and come on. And then like, because he's not a speaker this week, he calls us a phallic uh, symbol. Like what a freaking moron. Like get a life. Okay. This is not your show. This is our show. Great. Let's, let's, let's bring in. No, 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 no. Let's bring in Ashlyn. This is too much. Okay, Ashlyn, are you there? We need to, we need some relief. <laughs> no, I'm here. Oh, okay. Goodness. Good. Okay, so I'm gonna beep. <laughs> this week, <laughs> this week we're we're talking with Ashlyn. Ashlyn, welcome to the show. Um, why don't you introduce yourself just so people know who we're talking to? Yeah, um, I'm Ashlyn. I am um, a recent college graduate and I am working towards my master's degree right now. We're getting into graduate school to get my master's degree and I work two full-time jobs. I'm just I'm all wow. over the place. <laughs> Where, where'd you graduate undergrad? Um, University of West Georgia. Nice. What, what was your major? Psychology. Everybody does psychology. I swear all of us with issues do psychology. <laughs> I know, and I am like really struggling finding a school to get into because I want to do um, psychedelic assisted therapy. Oh, yeah, I bet that's not everywhere. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, you probably need to go to the, well, okay, let me guess. Most of the universities are overseas that are doing that? Um, that's a possibility. Um, I know that my school's like really into that, but they don't give you the certifications you need. So you have to go through like maps or other programs that are more so in the legal states to be able to get certified for everything okay because it's not legal everywhere mm -hmm. got it got it so is just because i don't know exactly what that is is this kind of like the same thing that has come out and been very popular about like microdosing? Is that kind of the same thing? Yeah, it's similar. Um, they have psilocybin assisted, assisted therapy, and then they also have, um, I mean, there's also like ayahuasca, but I just feel that that's not my place to use that. And then there's um, ketamine therapy as well. Oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. this so is which one would you be interested in focusing on? I'm really interested in the psilocybin therapy. Okay. Explain what that is. So they also, they use the microdosing, but I believe also if you do like retreats, you can give a person a full trip. Um, you just have to dose correctly for them and you basically work with them to unfold all of their trauma. Um, so it can be similar to like an EMDR experience, but typically the journey is like more beautiful and you're able to like welcome your emotions and go through the waves of everything with healing. It's typically used for like depression and anxiety and PTSD healing. How, how, how is this treatment accepted in the wider, uh, you know, community in terms of those who are pra practitioners? I think that really depends. So I know my psychiatrist and my therapist, like they're all about it because they don't see the need for um, so many medications to be piled onto a person, especially if it's something they can heal from. Mm -hmm. but I know there's other people who think it's like woo woo and like, you know, that's not going to help, but there's so much research out there that shows that it does help. I know that in my undergrad program, I did, research on it. And I'm pretty sure I put about 150 hours in. It was about 50 page research paper on it. And I don't know. It's just something that's so beautiful to me. So that's definitely what I'm interested in. No, I, mean, I can hear the passion, but take us through the process. Take us through you and your patient zero and you enter into this treatment. Like what, take us through the stages. Like, what is it like? Hmm. <laughs> I'm not too sure on the details of it, but um, I believe that you should not do it the first round. I think you need to get to know that person and know their traumas and 
what they're really seeking to heal from. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I think that you should start a very low microdose to see how that reacts with them. I wouldn't want somebody to have, you know, full on panic attacks or anxiety attacks about it. And there's also the risk of, you know, someone having an issue like bipolar. Um, And bipolar is very, um, it's more temperamental with psychedelics um there's the risk of going into mania or even going into full-blown psychosis if you have a really bad trip or if it just doesn't agree with your chemistry um but after that i would definitely take the patient further on with more doses each time um with microdosing it's easier to function throughout the day but if you are full-on tripping that's about a five to six hour trip so that would have to be um I would say like a more in-depth session if somebody is like really needing to process and heal from something. So now I don't know any of the academic terms, so (laughs) I'm going to come off like I don't know anything and that's fine. But as somebody who did psychedelics in her teenage years, Mm -hmm. how, if you're doing this, how do you prevent someone who's going through their trauma, which is horrible. Mm -hmm. How do you prevent them from not going into like a bad trip? Because I would think that would be like pretty prevalent. Like if you're bringing up trauma and you're bringing Mm -hmm. up stuff that you've buried and you don't want to deal with, like how does that not send you off? Yes, I completely agree. Um, For the record for myself, I did the same thing. And I will say I only have one really bad trip but um I think it's really all about setting the space and being able to bring that person back um if they are going into a panic attack or having anxiety about what's all coming up um I have a friend who would bring people through trips and he taught me just to be gentle with the process. And if they start to panic, then to bring them back to a solid ground, um, have them be aware of their surroundings, you know, the typical like taste, smell, touch type thing. Yeah. Um, but I know that if someone was, you know, in a heavy dose and like, you know, just full on tripping, that would definitely be harder. So I'll definitely have to learn how to navigate somebody through that. Cause I know for myself, when I had a major panic attack on LSD a few years ago, I could not be brought back to that. Like I had to just have a panic attack until I went unconscious basically to snap myself back. Yeah. See, that would be, I mean, I've heard of microdosing, and, and it seems very interesting to me. And I mean, it always makes me think of, you know, there there has been bipolar since the beginning of time, right? Like we have had mental illness since we have been people. Um, and it was always treated by the shamans and the medicine men with herbs and plants. And mm-hmm. so it's kind of getting back to our roots a little bit, I think. But it seems horribly frightening to me yeah. because... <laughs> is like what like what happens what happens if it all goes south you know what i mean like how do you prevent that from happening um and that has always been my fear with it yeah no i completely understand i will say that microdosing it's excellent um if you do give yourself the right dose because your energy just brightens and your anxiety just seems to melt away and um I also feel that I am more competent. Like, I know that sounds crazy, but like I'm more competent when I'm on it and when I'm microdosing because your mind, like a fog lifts and you feel more clear and you feel, I don't know, like just more brighter, creative, more lively Mm -hmm. versus than what you would feel on a normal day. But. So are you bipolar at all? Yes. Yes. I am bipolar. (laughs) Okay. So, and one or two. One. And you're you're on no other RX, but you are, and you've entered into this uh, psychedelic uh, treatment. So I am on 
four different medications. Um, I'm treated okay. for my bipolar, my ADHD, my OCD, and my PTSD. Um, but curious of what you're using for the PTSD. Um, she has me on. Um, she's using it like she's using Lamictal for like the depression part of my bipolar and for mm. also the PTSD. Mm, um, but she also allows for me to um, smoke weed if I want to, or use CBD, whatever helps me the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of changes on my mood on a given day. I don't really like to smoke weed as much, but I really like to use Delta eight because it doesn't give me the high, but it allows my body to relax. Mm-hmm. What is Delta eight? I'm learning. strand. Yeah. Oh. A strain. Strain. Yeah, strain. <laughs> I'm always so naive. Like how, <laughs> all these people know this stuff. Oh, that's so that, that's so interesting. I have someone I knew in my past life who actually just moved to Miami to to start a psychedelic drink. Or he invested in a psychedelic drink. That's interesting. So for like microdosing purposes or for 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 pleasure recreation. Yeah, but people are now it's now getting to the point to where where psychedelics are entering and people believe them to help with quality of life, with anxiety, with just overall daily functioning. And um, so it's starting to it's like turmeric. So how is the psychedelics for mental health different than what was it in the 70s, 70s or 80s <laughs> when they did the ecstasy for counseling? Oh, gosh. So they do use Molly for counseling. Um, that's MDMA. Yeah. But um, see, I think back then it was more experimental because you can even look at research where they would like give a person, you know, the liquid version of L- LSD and that person would be tripping balls and not really getting anything from it. But I think mm-hmm. it was more so for research. Mm. But I think people are learning now that it can have a positive effect if you use it correctly. And um, I mean, I'm not going to say like recreational is bad, but I think there's a limit for when you're doing it medically. And um, they have tons of research of how it's, uplifted people's anxiety and depression and PTSD. And I think that since more people are interested in it now, it's going to become a bigger thing and more prevalent. And I also think it's going to help people get off of some of the medications they're on that aren't really necessary. I like to call those like maintenance medications, you know, mm-hmm. like if you're given one thing, but Oh, you have a side effect for that. So let's yep. put another thing on there. So I definitely think that will help people and the, I mean, especially with anxiety, I think everybody has anxiety nowadays. And while I'm for anxiety medications, I don't think it's always necessary. And there's ways to overcome your anxieties in a healthier manner. And I think that psychedelics are a good thing for that. You know, and this is an interesting conversation, and this is an interesting place for everyone in the land to talk about sort of unique and alternative treat or not or organic treatment. Mm-hmm. But so my, my, my follow up question to that is, is that, I mean, clearly you're an adult, but would you, or would, does history, su- or not history, but does research suggest that this form of treatment is good for, you know, people or individuals under 18? Oh, yeah. For adolescents. For adolescents. Oh, you know, I have not done research in that, but I would doubt that. Um, that's what I was thinking. Because I also think about brain development and brain growth, and I don't mm-hmm. know how that affects it. Like, you know, mm-hmm. they don't recommend people under a certain age smoking marijuana because it can affect their development. And mm-hmm. I don't know if, you know, psilocybin or anything can affect that as well. So and in, in, in terms of – so you're actively using psychedelics in your care plan. Um Am I right in that? Um, I used to actively, but now it's just an every once in a while thing for me. Like if I'm very, very low and I need to Mm -hmm. release some like bad energies, but um, lately I have not. (laughs) I live a very Mm -hmm. busy life, so I don't really have time to dabble in anything. It's just more on the go. And what are you up to these days post-graduation? Um, Other than finding a school that will let you do this. Yeah. 
Um, I am working a corporate job. <laughs> I feel like every millennial is going into that. I did work out. I did work for the outdoor industry and um, the zipline industry, but I just felt like I needed to take a step out of that and find something that pays a more livable wage. Mm-hmm. So I actually just started my job last Monday. And I am congratulations. Thank you. I don't know if I because the way you said it, you said it like you were walking into like like (laughs) into a gallows. Yeah, I was just like, oh no, a corporate job. Oh yeah, Uh, I'm I'm very unsure of everything right now. Yeah, Uh, and then I'll also nanny a two year old full time. Oh, that's cool. Mm -hmm. So. Can you talk about, I mean, you, you basically have the same rap sheet as me, except for the PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, can you? No, honey, you have PTSD. Okay. <laughs> Look, it ain't been diagnosed. It's, it's just not, not official. <laughs> <laughs> can you talk a little bit about, you know, how you dealt with your mental illnesses going through school? Cause a lot of people that we talk to, well, not a lot, but some people that we talk to, you know, college is when they found out. Like they went to college and they hit a brick wall and that's when they found out that they they had issues or, you know, something that they needed to work on. So how did you manage to get through school? And was it did you know before school or did you find out when you were in school? I found out the last year of college. Oh wow! So, so then, what was college like? Then you were you were in college, you were unmedicated, and I know how the story goes. But why don't you just tell us like what you were dealing with? (laughs) So, I well, let's start when I was like nineteen. Okay, I graduated graduated high school. Um, That's really when my bipolar like took on full fledged. Like it just it went. And I couldn't keep up. Um, I struggled really bad with addiction. And Mm. I overdosed. Um, No. I overdosed because I had a panic attack and I had never had one before. And I was very naive. I was a very sheltered child. I didn't understand the real world and how it worked. And so when my doctor said, take these until your anxiety goes away, until you feel better. So I took that literally. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I was diagnosed with depression when I got to the psych ward. And after that, every doctor I had, no matter like how many times I would tell them, like, I don't think this is depression. Like, I feel just, I feel weird. Like, this isn't right. But they would just put me on SSRIs, which sent me into nonstop cycles of mania for mm-hmm. about a decade. Oh, my God. And, um, March of 2020, I, no, sorry, October of 2020, I literally felt myself spiraling. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I went to a psychiatrist and they were like, well, it's just depression and anxiety. You're fine. And I was like, well, I think it's more than that. And they're like, well, you don't really need to know what's wrong with you. You just need to take medicine. Oh, nice. Yeah. Mm. Really pissed me off. So Mm. I went to. And you weren't even in the military when you were told that. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So I started therapy in October and she told me straight off the bat, like she was like, you're bipolar one. She was like, you are textbook bipolar. And I got tested in February of 2021. And that's when I got all of my diagnosis. But college was very difficult for me. I mean, I struggled in school growing up. Like, I don't think there was a subject that was easy for me. I was a kid in AP classes, but I was really just cheating my way through mm-hmm. <laughs> so I can get through. Is that true or is that your perception of what was going on? Because Rebecca thinks she's a failure. No, I've really struggled, but oh, okay. I think also I just had such high standards for myself based off my childhood. Like I was scared to disappoint anybody. Yeah. Um, but I got to college and I realized that I didn't know shit. I struggled really, really bad through it. And 
the only thing that got me to keep my grades up was the fact that I needed a certain grade to get into grad school to do what I wanted to do. Um, there were times where I almost lost like my federal aid because my grades dropped and, you know, life happens. Um, but when I started to get medicated um, in February, things got a lot better. I felt like I could concentrate and I was actually comprehending what I was reading, but it sucks that I wasn't able to have that type of, I guess, medical intervention throughout my college career. Mm-hmm. That's interesting that you made it all the way to the end. Cause usually the stories that we hear is I made it in the first semester. <laughs> Yeah, I had a crash first semester. They crashed first semester. And yeah, like I didn't expect her story to go that direction. I mean, I I obviously made it through college as well, but that was I didn't go until years after I was stable. Um Where are your parents in all of this? <laughs> um it's a little I don't know, it's a little difficult. I mean there's just a lot of trauma behind that, but they were supportive, but not in the way where like, you know, they helped. They were just like, Oh yeah, we're proud. Keep, keep doing it. But yeah. um, I didn't really get the help that I feel that I needed, but I mean, there's nothing I can do about that. I just have to push. Are they college back. graduates or no, I'm no. the first person in my family to go to college. Wow. Like you and Rebecca should be like best friends. <laughs> yeah, like, your story is very like mirroring mine. <laughs> it's almost like, wow, are you sure you're Ashlyn and not like some weird like profiler somewhere? <laughs> the government's watching you. <laughs> Goodness. So where have well, here's the thing. You said that what you want to study is only legal in certain places. Are you at the point where you're willing to move there to be able to do this? Because I know that moving can be very, you know, traumatic and destabilizing and like all those fun things. Yeah. Um, financially, no. But um Mentally, yes. Um, I live in Georgia. I've never liked living in this state. Like my heart has always belonged on the West Coast side. I mean, Montana, Colorado, those places. So I would definitely be willing to just pick up and go. You, you Your spirit would connect very well there or Vermont, Portland, Oregon. I can feel it. <laughs> Very West Coast. Very West Coast. Very West Coast. Yeah, uh, I, I, I do. I concur. I, I, I agree with that decision. Montana's <laughs> going to be a lot cheaper than Colorado. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. true. So I, I grew up in Colorado. That's my, that's my home state, and mm -hmm. it has just. A lot of us has, have moved. A lot of my family, we have moved out, um, and. My family who is there is just like, I have one cousin. She's like, I'm never going to be able to afford a house. <laughs> she's like, it's just not going to happen. No, it's um, insane. Because the real estate is just going through the roof. And it's nothing is slowing it down. And they keep saying that, when is it? Don't they say that there's going to be a bubble? Isn't that the thing? Uh, there's a bubble. If there's a bubble, it hasn't happened yet. And Colorado is so strong now and it's so big the tech scene is huge i don't even if there were a bubble they'd survive it like like here in dmv they you know we'd like we'd survive it so i, I mean I, I don't i don't see it you know maybe somewhere in like missouri or kansas or florida the places that should tank but not really like like i'm That's sorry not nice. i just shouldn't have said that <laughs> i'm kidding nice. everyone <laughs> I'm kidding, everyone. <laughs> Are you did you grow up in Georgia? Is that where you're originally from? Yes. Okay. And what is it like? What was it? I mean, what's it like for you now to be, you know, you know, bipolar? You know, uh, you know, clearly interested in some very revolutionary type things. What's it like being in Georgia and having that perspective? <laughs> it's hard. Um, I'm on the west side of Georgia, so it's closer to Alabama, but um, mm. I'm like mm. 
40 minutes from Atlanta, but it's just like a really weird random area. But are you closer to Auburn than you are at Atlanta? Um, no. I have a very hard time with the map. I'm going to have to get you a globe or I need one to, I need to just an sit. atlas or something. Because you know every time we talk to people, you're like, oh, you're on the border of this. And they're like, no. No, I know. No, I'm, I'm always wrong. <laughs> I need a map that sits right here where we record so I can just go, oh, yeah, you're there. You know? Uh, that's very true. No. Sorry, Ashley. But, no, you're fine. But, um, no, it's just... I feel like the state's just very close-minded, so they don't understand. Um, I have somebody that's writing a recommendation letter for me, and he is a psychotherapist in his 80s. He still practices. I don't know how, but... Oh, dear. um, I was talking to him about what I wanted to do, and he was like, while I'm completely on board with this, he was like, you know, I don't know if I would put that in your personal statement. He's like, I'm really protective of you, and I don't know if everybody's going to be as open as you so i don't know it's it's very hard being in the I mean, and mentioning but but what are the case studies though i mean like what are the outcomes what 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 does the data say about this line of treatment oh it says it's great and it's very helpful and it's you know helping a lot of people and i know even in atlanta now They've been doing MDMA um, testing under case studies, Mm -hmm. I think, at Emory University. Um, And that is ran through MAPS, which is who I want to get certified through. Um, It's like multidisciplinary studies of psychedelics. I don't know. Um, But, I mean, it's showing a lot of positive feedback. So wow. where is it legal? Um, I know that psilocybin is legal in Colorado, but they have ketamine therapy in Georgia. Um, I would say the states that have legalized mushrooms would probably be the best places, but I know that um, some states are going through like processes where you can actually get the therapy. I don't know the specific states, um, but... I know that that's like moving through boards and stuff and like working on getting approval, but I don't know how, like the state of Georgia, like I don't know if they would have approved of that because, you know, marijuana is not even legal in Georgia. Yeah. If they're not going to approve marijuana, they're certainly not going to approve psychedelics. Like, yeah. It's funny. It's funny. When I lived in San Francisco, um, some of the first people I met, I, I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure out why they were so strange, but yeah, <laughs> they would sit around and have parties like doing like uh, ketamine Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they would all pass out and go to sleep, and yeah, yeah it was going to a hole. Yeah, that sounds like a fun party. And they where were like, we all just sleep. They were like, yeah, they were like, oh, uh, don't ever get into a K hole. But yet they were all there. <laughs> they were all. <laughs> don't ever do it. I'm gonna go- be right back. I'm gonna go do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh wow. Yeah, the Bay Area was an interesting place back then, but you know, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, so where, I mean, where are you in your graduate process though? I know you mentioned it, but just kind of tell us again, like, you know, and what happens if you never get to focus on this line of work? Um, if I don't get to focus on this, I would most likely go into teaching um, or not even teaching. I might go into research. Um Teaching is kind of a fallback for me, but I also have really bad social anxiety, so I don't know how that would work. Um, But I would be interested in doing researches and helping in case studies if that's something that my, you know, brain will allow me to do. (laughs) I feel like you would live in Northern California, like really north, really north in the woods, (laughs) like on a commune and like teaching, you know, everyone else who lives on a commune, all their kids. Wow. Um, You just kind of called me out there. Oh, really? Is that (laughs) it? He likes to put people in these situations. No, I like to, you know, I'm a very creative person. Am I, am I off though, Ashlyn, or am I just completely um, like wrong? I mean, right. Not off, maybe not a commune, but definitely somewhere off grid. And I just, 
I mean, my goal in life and what would make me happiest in life is to help people and to help people heal. Right. Um, so no, you're not too far off. And I didn't mean it in a mean way. I mean, shoot. No, I, I mean, that. hey, I mean, honestly, I'm so sick of the world right now. I want to go live on a commune, either that or an island in the South <laughs> Pacific somewhere. Yeah. That's your thing is an island. Yeah, my thing is an island, my own own like food source. <laughs> we'll and... build a tower and be able to yell at people that they can't <laughs> come to your island. Yep, get off my island. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, that's very true. Do you have any schools in mind? Like, do you have like a short list of where you think that you would apply to? Yeah. So I mean, I really want to get back into West Georgia just because I know that that is such a liberal arts school. I mean, they even have classes on psychedelics. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really my number one school. But if I do not get into there, I'm going to wait and see um, where my boyfriend gets accepted into grad school for himself, because that will likely be out of state. Mm. And so after that, I'll just really have to look at areas and determine what would be best. But the best part is like with, psychology most schools offer that grad school online so i wouldn't Mm -hmm. go into person yeah that's what i was just gonna say not only psychology is offered a lot online but a lot of graduate schools have Mm -hmm. just completely gone online um that's what i noticed because i just finished my bachelor's and so looking at all of the master's programs it's like damn near all of them are online nowadays so Mm -hmm. And what does your boyfriend study? Um, He's a nurse. Um, So he wants to go back um, to get his NP in anesthesia. Oh, that's pretty cool. But I'm talking him. I'm trying to talk him into doing um, NP in psychiatry because I think he would enjoy that more. Mm-hmm. What is it with these? What, what, what our partner is always trying to talk someone into something. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't want to be liable for anybody dying under anesthesia. So I just right? a really high stress job. No, it's true. No, <laughs> you're trying to protect him because he's like really cool. So I had, how has he been in terms of your journey? Um, you know, as a partner? Oh, no, he's been nothing but wonderful. Um, I know for myself, I was more angry when I got my diagnosis, but he was like, Oh no, that makes sense. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I like him. <laughs> I always like how you know we hear these stories from people when they're diagnosed. If it's not them, it's like their significant other or their closest life partner or whatever that always gets this diagnosis and go, "Oh yeah." <laughs> Thank you for bringing that home now. That makes total sense. We landed the plane. I was trying to figure out how, and we finally did it. Damn, that therapist and that doctor is so smart. That's the way I feel about ours, Cappy, like back when, oh my goodness. Yeah, it's like whenever they bring it up, it's like, oh, yeah, that fits. That fits. It's like, I've been looking for the right word. Like, that's it. Oh, well, bless his heart. And he's stuck in there and he's uh, and uh, and he's a good partner. That's great. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. That is great. What? Does he does he um, does he now does he go to your appointments? Like, does he um, how active how active is he, is he in your You're- care? Um. More so just making sure I take my medications, make sure I'm moving my body and, you know, eating and drinking the water and, you know, things like that. Um, Personally, I don't like people to come to my appointments. So I just do those by myself. I just feel, I feel like I'm more embarrassed if somebody Mm -hmm. else is around. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I know I was that way as a child too. Like I wouldn't speak, like I would make my mom speak. Mm-hmm. because I didn't want to express what was going on. So I feel like I just have to have that one-on-one for me to be able to be myself and express and get everything out about mm-hmm. what's happening. And and you and you mentioned you did mention your 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 family earlier and and certainly you mentioned that it was a lot of, a whole other story. So you know, we don't have to talk about it, but I'm curious about um I guess I'm I'm curious about 
the history of bipolar in in your mm. in your genetics like is it is it from is it paternal is it maternal like or is it nothing or is it nothing yeah so i thought it was nothing um but my aunt had like one of those dna things done mm-hmm. and she found somebody that was oh my gosh she was on my Ooh, it was my dad's side, my, my mom's dad's side of the family. Okay. She found somebody that was actually adopted out and mm. she's in her seventies now. Um, oh, wow. so they've reconnected and they're like, Oh my gosh, you know, like I have family. I didn't know that I had, and they're only like two hours from me, but she admitted to having bipolar. And then she said all of her kids have bipolar and I know that my uncle has it too, and um, I have it. So I'm thinking that it ran through my dad's, my mom's dad's side of the family. Um, because on my dad's side, there's really nothing. But on my mom's side, I realized that there's more of the issues of having mental illnesses. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that the problems seem to lie with mom a lot. Not always. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, but it, <laughs> oh, I certainly get enough from my father's side. So, <laughs> I mean, they're both culpable in this. So, <laughs> I just, I do not have strong blood, <laughs> or maybe it's too strong. It's too. No, it's g- genetics, maybe. My soul. <laughs> yeah. <it's> a, <laughs> did you just say it was a butt muscle? No, she no. feels it in her. Oh, wrong with you? Oh, I don't know. I thought you. I don't know. I'm really. I have not been drinking. Out of all the, usually when we do a show, I've been drinking. I am not drinking today. Oh my goodness! (laughs) I thought you said yeah. It's a butt muscle. I was like, what? No. (laughs) What? No. I'm sorry. That was not appropriate. So, (laughs) do you? Is it just you? Do you have any siblings? I have two siblings. Okay. Okay. And the only reason I ask is because I have an older brother and and we're both just off our rocker. So, um, that's a whole hot mess. too. (laughs) So I always like to add, you know, do you have siblings? Do they have it? But it seems like yours is pretty sparse within. It's isolated family. Yeah. 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 I mean, they do have, mental health issues, but I am not sure of their diagnosis. I know my youngest brother, he deals with really bad anxiety, but I can also see traits of bipolar in him, mm-hmm. but I, I just keep my mouth shut. And um, <laughs> my middle brother, he deals with um, depression and anxiety, and they said he has ADHD, but... Um, we're thinking it might be more so the autism spectrum. So we're trying to talk him into getting into testing. And my best friend, like she specializes in autism and she's like, yes, he has it. But it's just more (laughs) so convincing him to like, you know, go and get tested. So, you know, he can go into the right therapy or whatever he needs. I mean, I don't think therapy is necessary, but you know, whatever he needs to be able to break out of his shell and, function better, you know, as a person. But for myself, I kind of got the shit in the stick. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you're just unique. (laughs) When you bring up your brother and and him kind of um, fighting or just not wanting to get the diagnosis, I think a lot of people worry about, you know, the label, like I don't need a label. Um, and and I agree, like we we don't need to label ourselves and, mm-hmm. and we aren't our mental illnesses. We have our mental illnesses. Mm-hmm. But there is something about knowing, yeah. you know, like at least I know now. And you can make the choices to whether you treat it and how you treat it, but at least you have a name for it. At least you have an answer for it. Yes, I completely agree. Um, I think that's why I pushed so hard for the testing after that doctor said I didn't really need a label, but that label allowed for me to seek the healing that I needed and to seek the, you know, processes of getting medicated that I needed. Yeah. And it just, it also helps you, you know, it helps you understand yourself a Mm -hmm. little bit better. It's like, okay, this is why I react this way. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, cause you know, like 
without that, you're just labeled as the dramatic child or, you know, whatever yes. word they want to put on you. But it, there's there's a reason for it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I, because <laughs> I know for myself, I'm a very, very emotional person. I have to cry at least once a day or I can't function, <laughs> but it's not even like sad crying. It can be over anything. Um, but well, give us some examples of things that you actually cry about like once a day. <laughs> um, well, today was over insurance because I was pissed off about that. That'll make insurance you cry. would make anybody cry. That'll make it yeah. health insurance or car insurance. Health. It doesn't matter. That's true. It's all painful. <laughs> it doesn't matter. All right. Next. Go ahead. Um, Listen more. <laughs> no, it's, I think, I don't know. A lot of it's music. I just feel very deeply connected and rooted to music. So at any given any given time, any given day, like if I hear a certain note or lyrics that just hit me in a different way, I'll cry. And so typically my thing in the morning is to listen to music for about an hour to get my day started. And sometimes I'll get that release or other times it's, I don't know, like things overwhelm me and I get emotional. I can see a cow while I'm driving down the road and I'll cry because I think it's cute. <laughs> they are. They are. But well, I realized, yeah. looking back at those emotions, I see now, like, that I'm diagnosed, like, oh, like, that was not normal. Like, you know, in middle school and high school, when you're going through puberty, like, people would get angsty and stuff. But I was so overly emotional. And I always felt like I was in this euphoric state, but I didn't really know how to name it. And I thought everybody dealt with that. So I just thought it was... A normal thing hmm. you know i growing up i was very much the same way and um i think one of one of obviously one of the issues that i have is that um emotions weren't talked about in my family um yeah. it wasn't we didn't put names to things we didn't put names to feelings um we just had them and moved on um and they weren't dealt with they were just you know there. Yeah. Um, and for the longest time until I got a diagnosis, like I remember being in my teenage years and I was like, this is normal. This is how everybody feels. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it, it wasn't like nobody else was feeling the way I felt, which is probably why I didn't like identify with a lot of people because mm -hmm. we were on two different planes. Um, Literally. Yeah. Two yeah. different levels. So yeah. um, I can identify with that about how, you know, you think it's, you think that you're, that you feel what everyone else feels and then it's so you're not. Mm -hmm. And um, when it comes to the whole family dynamic, completely the same here. Um, so I typically just hid my emotions and bottled everything up. And I felt like once I got older like that just kind of came undone mm. so I think that also affected my emotional maturity in a sense mm -hmm. Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I love that you talk about emotional maturity because you know at some at, at some point it's you know it's hard to differentiate throughout the years between what is the illness and what is the the hormones or mm -hmm. the or just you trying to mature well and it's also you know what is nature and what is nurture well that you too. know how much of this came from the way i was raised and how much of mm -hmm. this is my brain chemistry correct mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. trying to unpack that you know that takes a lot of work and a lot of effort um and it's not always fun <laughs> and that's why you shouldn't try to like 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 actually be your own therapist because then no, those th those turn into socio like sociopaths in some way, <laughs> like like you just have a break and you're done. And I don't want you to do that. That's why I'm glad we have your own therapist. So, being a psychology major, do you find that you understand yourself better with the knowledge that you gained in college? Oh, for sure. Um, I'll say the self awareness really sucks sometimes, but. Um, it's definitely helped me understand and it's also helped me understand um, even like the trauma from when I was growing up. Um, I can see that now. I can pinpoint that now. And 
I just think altogether it's helped me. And I cannot believe that I wanted to go into like dental hygiene or teaching. (laughs) Like once I got into psychology, I was like, this is it. Like this Mm -hmm. is my passion, but it's, it's helped me tremendously. And to what extent does your trauma and your diagnosis, like um, what part does that play in your life with your partner and um, colleagues? Um, With my partner, he definitely sees the worse side of it. Um, With work, I typically just try to control myself and my words and everything as well as possible. I mean, when I'm manic, it's, I mean, pretty obvious, but um, I will just force myself to like listen to music or something. So I'm not, you know, talking everybody's ears off or like saying shit that just doesn't make sense. (laughs) And (laughs) when I'm depressed, I think that also affects my work because my depressions over the years have just gotten worse. So like when I fall into a depression, it's like completely debilitating and that definitely affects how well my work performance is. Um, so I mean, that's you sound like my wife so much. Like I almost want you guys to drive up to DC <laughs> or up to Maryland to see us because it's like, we've got to hang out because you guys are like twins. So it's, it's, I'm I like that you say that your depression has gotten worse with age because mine very much has. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I used to when I first would go into depression, it'd be like, oh, I'm down and I'm out and mm-hmm. I cry and it's over. But like now depression is like I'm not getting out of my bed and I am not taking care of myself and I'm not eating and like it's just awful. And I feel like every time I slip into a depression, it's worse than the last one mm-hmm. and which is kind of unnerving to me. Cause it's like, okay, well, where does this, like, where does this stop? Where does the, it gets worse stop? Yeah. Like at what point is I, am I so low that I can't go anymore? Cause I don't want to get there. Um, but I also think it's interesting because I tend to find at least with me that like, my bipolar has gotten worse over the years. Same. <laughs> and and I it's it kind of seems counterintuitive to me a little bit because like you would think it would have been worse when we were going through our hormonal stages and you know we were trying to figure out who we were like in more of our formative years. Mm-hmm. But it really does seem like it it's gotten worse as I've aged. Same here. Um I've noticed over the past two years, I mean, since 2020, every time I have any type of episode, it just gets worse each time. Mm-hmm. Um, I just had my first mixed episode that I was able to pinpoint in November. And when I tell you, I thought I was going to light myself on fire and run naked through the woods. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how I felt. Like, I felt... Like I was coming unhinged, but I was so depressed at the same time. And I had never felt so low in my life. It was just this hollow feeling. And I was in freeze mode the whole time. But like my mind was just constantly racing. And I I thought I wasn't going to come out of that. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. Like they just keep getting scarier and scarier. And mm-hmm. it's like at some point, and maybe it is dramatic, but at some point it's like I fear that I won't. You know, I yeah. fear that it's not going to be enough. Like there's not enough medication. There's not enough therapy to get you through that. Mm -hmm. And I'm also, I'm also very bad at letting people know. Thank you. Um, Now, Steven is really good because he can see when when I slip quicker than I can notice it. Mm -hmm. um, Because I will just ignore the signs. But like, I swear, my therapist gets so mad at me because we'll have therapy and we'll be fine and everything. And then like three weeks later, I'm a mess and I'm cycling. And she's like, well, how long have you felt like this? I was like, Oh, for about a month and a half. And she's like, and you didn't like, why am I here? <laughs> and She gets so frustrated. Cause she's, she's like, I, I can never tell. Like, and you need to open up your damn mouth and say something. Mm-hmm. 
You know, she's about as strict. I mean, she's about as tough as nails as our youngest is. We'll go through months of pain and won't even say a thing. You know, it's, you know, she, she can survive it and you won't even know that it's a problem until it becomes a problem. And then you're like, you know, this is a problem. And she's like, no, I didn't know this was a problem. I thought I was normal. I thought everything was okay. No, it's not okay. And been okay for a long time. And, um, but I think that goes back to like, you bottle everything up, right? Like you just, right. That's, that's, that's the way I was raised. Like you just put it inside mm-hmm. and you keep it moving. Yeah. And I've learned that, that bottling, <laughs> it soon has to explode. Um, yeah. And when it comes out, I mean, it comes out. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Well, we're almost to an hour. I want to thank you for coming on here with us. I loved your story of what you want to study. That was. That's fascinating. I, yeah. Other than microdosing, I had never heard anything about it. It's very fascinating. You make me want to go look things up now. <laughs> but thank you so much for being on here. Now, I don't. Do you want to share social media or anything like that? You don't have to. Um. I'm fine with it. I mean, I'll, I'll share it. Um, my Instagram is Ashlyn Melissa. Okay. But I also have a page where I just kind of like write my emotions out. Um, and it's kind of like helping lessen the stigma of things. And it's just really just a blog that I've, you know, done for myself but um, it's healing fawn underscore underscore. Okay. W- send me those in our text mm-hmm. that we have and, and we'll link them on to the podcast okay. um, when it goes live. I, I think we're two weeks out, so it won't be this Sunday, but it'll be next Sunday. Okay. R- right. Yeah. It will, it, it, it will be. Yeah. Yeah, not not Super Bowl, but the next one. The last weekend, I think. Is yeah. that the last weekend? I don't know. Something like that. I have no idea where we are in the month. But thank you so much for coming on. It was wonderful to talk to you. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much for having me. Yeah, and you have to keep us um, – you definitely have to keep us posted, um, you know, about your journey and, um, and what happens with your studies. Yeah, I definitely will. Thank you, guys. All right. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Well uh, – um, honestly, this, the, the, babe, you, this week, you get to choose the song of the week. So why don't you tell everyone what the song of the week is? I forgot the name already. Oh, it's I can't decide. And who is this by again? Scissor Sisters. Scissor Sisters. Yay!
Thank you for thank you for listening to another week of Bipolar Girl. In the words of Grammy Award-winning artist from Africa, Amou Sangari, who I absolutely love, Confico, the uncertainty of things. You know, living with a mental illness or living with someone with a mental illness can be uncertain at times. But that's why we do this show. We do this show to create community and a place where you can express yourself and get knowledge. Right, honey? Yeah, I mean, that's the whole reason we have the show, right? Though, again, things might be uncertain, you can be certain that we're here for you. Godspeed, and have a great week. (laughs) 